Take your Bible, please, to the book of Mark. I shouldn't be long. I don't have any notes. I don't have any notes. But that, that could be the opposite problem. Yeah, it could be. There are three places in this gospel of Mark that I think are very interesting. There's a chapter, then you skip a chapter, then you have another chapter. You skip a chapter and you have another chapter of the same subject. Three times in the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 5, Mark chapter 7, Mark chapter 9, a parent comes to Jesus with a child. And I want to read these passages and make a few notes that I think that we would be well advised to take view of regarding our children and the needs that we have to minister to them, the need that we have to be good ministers to them. Mark chapter 5, the first story. You're going to have a daughter, a daughter, and then a son. We're only given the age of the first one. They're all minors. They're all young people or children. I'll start reading in Mark 5, 21. And when Jesus was passed over again by a ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. Verse 35. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and Seeth the tumult and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he saith unto them, Why make ye this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him and entereth in where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talithakumai, which is being interpreted, damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of twelve years. And they were astonished with a great astonishment. And he charged them straightly that no man should know it, and commanded that something should give her, should be given her to eat. Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7 and verse... 
Number 25, the Bible says, For a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit, heard of him and came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation, and she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. But Jesus said unto her, Let the children first be filled, for it is not meat to take the children's bread and cast it unto the dogs. And she answered and said unto him, Yes, Lord, yet the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. And he said unto her, For this saying, Go thy way, the devil is gone out of thy daughter. And when she was come to her house, she found the devil gone out. And her daughter laid upon the bed. Last chapter, chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, verse number 17. And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit, and wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. He answereth him and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him. And when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him. And he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming. And he asked his father, How long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, Of a child. And oft times it hath cast him into the fire, and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, He rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him. And he was as one dead, insomuch that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. And when he was coming to the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could not we cast him out? And he said unto them, This kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Three passages in the Bible that have desperate situations for children or young people. One is 12. The middle one, we have no idea. It says young daughter. The third boy, don't know how old he was when his dad got him to Jesus... But he told Jesus that this problem of the devil in his life had been from a child. So that tells me something. That tells me that there can be a desperate situation in children's lives. That tells me that Satan, the devil, unclean spirits can get into children. Am am I reading the Bible right? Sometimes I think maybe we have an idea because they're young, the devil will leave them alone. That is not the testimony of the Scripture. They're not exempt. 
or this devil in Mark chapter 9 would not have been possessing this this child all these years. So these three parents were desperately trying to get to Jesus about the need of their children. I don't see a lot of people desperately trying to get to Jesus about the need of their children. I see them maybe desperately trying to entertain their children or trying to make their children's lives work uh, the best way they know how, or maybe get them to a doctor or find new friends for them. But these three instances show the only hope of these three children is for their parents to get them to Jesus. That was their only hope. And they were desperate about it. And I would say this, if you wait till 12, you know, that first story... The ruler of the synagogue came and he said that my daughter is at the point of death. I mean, isn't that, isn't that a terrible thing that at such an early age their life is at the point of death? Our youth are at the point of death in more ways than one. Not just physically, but spiritually speaking. And I would say this, if you wait until 12 to get desperate for your kid you probably waited too late without a miracle. You know the problem? I think some parents don't even see the devil in their children. They don't even see the problem. We're in a desperate situation in this country, not just because of what people are doing to children, but what children are opening their own hearts and minds up to the devil. I don't think the devil possesses somebody that's not willing. I don't. I, I believe there has to be a willing participant with that. That that's that's my view of the Bible. That God does not override the will of people with Himself, and He doesn't let the devil override people with their will. If the devil gets a foothold in your life, it's because you allow it. Well, that tells me that children can allow the devil to get a foothold in their life. It's not just like this spirit was floating around and it jumped in this little child. You see the problem? If that's true, how much danger, what help, what safety does anybody have if the devil can just jump in our children? But this is what I'm seeing. I'm seeing children even opening themselves up to the devil. And by the way, I think the stories show that this can happen to anybody's child. The first story is the ruler of the synagogue's child. Are you listening to me? Not a heathen and not even a church member. This is the ruler of the synagogue. This is the top guy at the church house. He's got the position And his daughter is at the point of death. Do you see that in the text? 
The other text, here's, it's just a, she's just a woman. She's a Greek. She's not even part of the, the family of the Jewish nation. And, and, and she's got a problem. The last one is just one guy in the multitude. And we don't even know who he is. And the moral of that story, I think, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how long you've been in church. Amen. It doesn't matter what your position is in life. It doesn't matter what culture you're from. It doesn't matter what nationality you are. There is an overriding problem in children's lives where we've got to get them to Jesus. And the only hope is that Jesus will touch them. Jesus, we have got to get them in contact with Jesus. Not just in contact with with the church, which is important. Not just in contact with our rules and restriction, which is important. But we've got to get them in contact with Jesus. You say, how do I do that? Well, one of the, the last story was, it might take some prayer and fasting to do that. I wonder how much, you know, we pray, had a little prayer time here for the, the children that are coming that probably nobody's praying for them. How much do you, do you and I pray for our children? How much prayer time? And, and you know what? How, how old's your baby, Simon? How much? Ten and a half months. That baby needs prayer right now. Yes, sir. You, you, guys, you know what we do? We don't start really getting serious about praying until something blows up. And that is a shame. That, that's not the way it's supposed to work. We're not supposed to wait till the child is at the point of death until we get concerned. And if, if you're a parent that walks with God and talks with God and knows the Lord, you ought to be able to spot in your children's life if something's not right in their heart, if the devil's attacking them. And it may need more, they may need more than prayer. They may need you to fast for them. I've given this story before. I told a, a parent in the church I pastored in Virginia God just seemingly put it on my heart, and I put my arm around him. I said, you know, your kid's in the, in, in the church school, in the Christian school, and he comes to church, and his hair cut right, and, and, and he doesn't give us too bad of a problem. But I'm telling you something, there's something seriously wrong with your son. He has no spiritual life. He doesn't give a flip about God. It's not just that he's sitting where he's supposed to sit. He has no desire for God. And at his age, and they were, I, we were fixing to send them off to a, a, a going to a camp, and uh, he's going to get some preaching day and night. I said, if you don't start fasting and praying for this boy, it's over with his life. You know, we set the die. We cast the die for our character early in life. And I would say this. You ought to get desperate for your child. Not, not if they're smoking dope or, or watching porn. If, just, if you see or they're listening to bad music or they you know they've lied to you or whatever those are all bad 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 things but it doesn't have to be that for you to get desperate it might be i'm looking at my child and they just don't care about god do you understand and all three of these parents said we've got to get to jesus and they all got help They all got help. And the first one got help 
when they even came and said, don't trouble the master any further. Your daughter is dead. Now, if that had been me, I'd, I'd have got mad at Jesus. I have to be honest with you as a parent. Because you know what happened between the parent going to Jesus and saying, come see my daughter? There was an interruption. And Jesus stopped and helped somebody else that needed help. And if I'd have been the dad, I'd say, no, no. We don't have time to stop this story. You come with me. But Jesus stopped. The multitude was strong. And that woman that had been so afflicted for all those years, you know the story. But when they started back on the road to go to the ruler of the synagogue's house, here comes one and says, don't worry about it. Don't trouble the master any further. She's dead. It's over. The story's over. You know what I'm glad about, Jesus? The story don't ever have to be over. <laughs> With God, all things are possible. It's hopeless! Even when I think it's hopeless. Even when you think it's hopeless. Even when common sense says it's hopeless. Jesus Christ can do the impossible. And He did it in this, you know, and when they came and said, she's dead, the ruler of the synagogue could have thrown his hands up and said, all right, let's go prepare the funeral. And Jesus said, I'm still willing to go with you to the house. You know what faith it took for that guy, that dad, to keep on going to the house? I'll give you the three things in, rest, in helping our children. Three things, common ingredient in all three stories. Number one, all of them were desperate to get their child to Jesus. That was the first denominator. The second was there's a common thread of great humility in all three of these stories. Do you know how much humility it takes for the ruler of the synagogue to go to Jesus? It's not like Jesus was the most popular guy at the synagogue. Right? It's not like he is in the great... This ruler synagogue, he didn't care what anybody thinks. He, he's going to humble himself. And the Bible says in Mark chapter 5, when he got to Jesus, this is the ruler of the synagogue. This is the chief Jairastakutis. This is the top dog. And when he got to Jesus, he fell down at his feet. Just fell down. Boy, I'd like to see some of our governors and presidents and congressmen and Supreme Court justices. and I'd like to see some of those big, big important people just fall down on their face before God. But you know what else I'd like to see? I'd like to see some of you all do that. Because here's, here's what this story shows. You're not going to get help for your children if you're not humble enough to get it. You've got to be humble. The second story, the Syrophoenician woman that was a Greek, and she comes to Jesus and she says, you've got to help my young daughter, and Jesus doesn't pay her any mind, and he ignores her, and then he insults her. Jesus insulted the woman. However you read the text, read them all, he insults the woman. 
calls her, he said, I'm not going to take the children's bed and give it to dogs. She's the dog. She's the Gentile. You know what she says? Yes, Lord. I agree with you. Do you see that humility? You know what? She didn't care what he said to her. She needs help from God. And she will humble herself to the lowest rail to get help for her child. And I tell you what, if we don't have a teachable spirit and a humble heart and an open heart, and if we don't, if we don't practice in our own lives humility before God, then, then our children are not good prospects to get help from the Lord. That, that's the moral of these stories. How many other children do you think had a devil or had a or at the point of death that died that their parents weren't willing to go humble themselves and get to Jesus. The third story, the son. So Jesus said, you know, if you can, he says, have compassion on us, help us. And Jesus tells this guy, he says, if you can believe all things are possible. And he says, Lord, I believe. And then he said this humble statement. You can see his humility in this statement. Help thou mine unbelief. You know what he tells Jesus? Jesus, I want to believe, but I, I don't believe as much as I should believe. Help my unbelief. I don't have great faith. I don't have big faith. Help me. Increase my faith. Make my faith bigger. I'm not up to the challenge. My praying's not good enough. My faith is not big enough. I don't have what it takes. Do you see that humility? Boy, I've watched in 30 years parents make a mess of it because they thought they had it all figured out and they didn't have enough humility to understand they didn't have anything figured out. They didn't have what it... None of us have what it takes to get the job done for children that are desperately in need of God. Takes humility. You said, Preacher, are you sure our children are, are in that desperate condition for God? Let me give you some statistics. This is just about drugs. In 1999, from fifth, age of 15 years old to the age of 24 years old, there were 1,240 overdoses of people in the 15 to 24 age group. In 2021, that went from 1,240 to 7,426. The CDC came out with a, with a pamphlet on the adolescence of America and said that things were worsening significantly with time with every age group in this nation. Not just with drug addiction, but their own mental health. The amount of them that were being put into facilities. Do you know 40, listen to this, this is statistic. In 2021, 42% of all children between the ages of 10 and 19, 42% said they felt hopeless in life. 42%! 10 years!
years old to 19. 29% of 10-year-olds to 19-year-olds had been diagnosed with serious mental disorders. That's 30% of the youth of America. 22% of them had said they had seriously considered suicide. That sounds like at the point of death to me. There's an epidemic in our nation of, of self-harming and all that. 10% of, of all of that, a group attempted suicide. Between 2019 to 2021, listen to this, 10-year-olds to 19-year-olds. This, this, is, this is overdoses. I didn't even know 10-year-olds over, could even know what something was to overdose on it. 10 years old to 19 years old. From 2019 to 2021, it increased by 109% overdose, overdose deaths. 10 to 19. Like 2,000 kids had overdosed to kill themselves. That sounds like something is at the point of death to me. And by the way, having said that, did you know that they say that 45% of all of these, these adolescents that are contemplating killing themselves, and I'll just be very frank with you. You said, preacher, you know this one story about this kid rolling on the ground and all that. We don't see any of that. Hey, hey guys, if a child is wanting to take their life, the devil has their mind. That, they don't have to foam at the mouth. When a child is cutting themselves, all of that, they don't have to wallow. You don't have to see an exorcist movie for the devil to be in charge of their brain and their heart and their, their limbs. They said 45% of all these children, these precious children that the devil's got a hold of, 45% of them are identifying with the LGBT and transgender and the rest of that. You say, why do you bring that up? And what they say is, we need to be more accepting so they don't feel like killing themselves. i got news for them. The reason that they are having thoughts of killing themselves is because the devil has their heart and their mind in such a way, even about their own sexuality and who they are, that they are going insane. It's not we need... That is the problem. In 1999, they weren't doing that because we didn't have this devil-possessed wickedness in our society. And this is the result. And it is destroying the children of our country. And it's not just in the country. It's also the ruler of the synagogue's house. You say, what do we do, preacher? We've got to get desperate to get them to Jesus. And we gotta, we got to understand, we got to have enough humility. So, you know, I don't have all the answers. And, and I'm not going to be the answer. Hey, hey, I hope you're a good dad. I hope you're a good mom. But you're not the answer for your kid. I hope our church is a blessing and a help to every family and an encouragement and, and, and a help in the lives of every child that comes up in this church. But this church is not even the answer for these children. The only answer is Jesus Christ. And if they don't get connected with Him, it don't matter what you do and it doesn't matter what we do.
And you see, that's why we try to have family camp, and that's why I try to do special things, because we're trying to invite the Holy Ghost to work in our midst. And that's why we're asking you to be sensitive and humble before the Lord and respond to the Spirit of God, not just so we can have people come to the altar. We want God to be working in our church and walking the aisles and working in the music and working in the preaching so these children can contact God. They've got to contact God. Because everything out there is designed to kill them. And from a child, I'm telling you, from a child, Satan can invade their heart and mind. And a lot of them open, you know, in my generation, about the only way you opened up yourself to the devil was, you know, you listened to wicked music. And that'll do it. That'll do it. I mean, the devil will get in a child's mind and heart in a lot of different ways. But boy, he can get in so many different ways today than he did in my day. In my day, you know, it was like somebody would fool around. They'd, they'd grab a Ouija board or something like that and open their, their heart up to the devil in that fashion, doing stuff with the occult. By the way, all that stuff, I'm telling you what, some of these movies are so full of the occult and, and, and the devil's getting in people's ears and their eyes and their heart and they don't even know it. In my day, it was, it was minors getting a hold of, of, of uh, alcohol. They'd illegally get the alcohol, older brother, sister, pass down the booze to them, you know, because there's spirits in the booze. You know, that's what they call it, spirits. There's, a, there's so many ways to open up yourself to the devil. All this vampire movie and dead movies and all this, these Disney movies. It's, it, it opens kids' hearts and minds up. They're grooming them at an early age to open themselves up to the devil from a child. You say, preacher, well, let's fight it. Okay, but why don't we humble ourselves before God for help? That's, that is the recipe for help. When people humble themselves for God, the Lord says, I'm going to go help this person. And the guy that's got it all together, the Lord says, I can't help them. They, they don't need me. But these three parents right here. And the last ingredient is faith. We've got to be able to trust God with our children. They were all desperate to get to Jesus. They were all humble. And they all had great faith. How much faith do you have to have to go with Jesus to the house when your daughter's dead? And when you get there, everybody's laughing, everybody's mocking, and Jesus just put all the mockers out. Y'all get out. All these messages, they, they have an hour sermon each, but I'm just throwing this out here because I, I, I think it needs to be said this week. Jesus took the mother and the father. Boy, there's a message right there. When he got to the house and the and the, and and the daughter's dead, 12-year-old daughter's dead, and everybody's laughing. He said, get out. But he took mom, he took dad together, and three preachers with him. Peter, James, and John, y'all come with us. 
Why? We need preachers in here. Oh, what a good sermon. If you think you can do without preaching, you're, you're, you're crazy. You need Jesus and you need the three preachers. And mom and dad need to get together on getting help for their children. Guys, don't you see the attack of the devil to put a wedge between mom and dad? It's not just to destroy mom and dad or husbands and wives. It's to destroy the children. Because mom and dad need to go hand in hand there with Jesus, you see. You see that? Oh, I could give you so many stories of mom tugging this way and dad tugging this way. And Jesus can't do anything to help because they're, they're pulling in two different ways. That's not what happened in this story. Jesus takes mom, dad, the preachers, they go in. He said, all right. She's dead, but do you believe what faith he had to have? The second, the lady, in the other companion text to Mark, the Bible says that Jesus said, Great is thy faith. Because this is the thing about that woman. She did not, listen to this now, she did not even have to have Jesus touch her daughter. We have got to get our children to Jesus but we all, for Him to touch them personally. But we also have to get them to the Word of God. The Word of God. All Jesus said was, the devil's gone out of your daughter. She went home and the devil's out of her daughter. The power of the Word of God. Oh, it doesn't work anymore. We've got to have this, that, and the other thing. That's not the testimony of the Bible. Here is a young daughter possessed by an unclean spirit and the power of the Word of God drove her out. Drove the devil out. Sometimes I think that happens in my church services. You laugh, I'm not kidding. Over my past 30 years. There is just something that a devil cannot stand the power of the Word of God going. They can't sit there. She had to have faith that what Jesus told her was true, even though she didn't see the answer. She said, the devil's gone out of your daughter. She had to believe that. What would you and I have done? Okay, but would you come with me just in case? You had not been at my house, amen, the last week. It'll be all right. Go home. I, said, I spoke the word. She said, okay. I trust your word, Lord. Mm. Great faith in the word of God. Not great faith in me, not great faith in my parenting skills, not great faith in, in, in my church even, not great faith in society, not great faith in a doctor, not faith, a great faith in, in, uh, psychiatry, not great faith in medication, not great faith in what my friends are telling me, not great faith in what I, I read or what I heard on the internet, but I've got great faith in what Jesus said. That's that woman. The devil was gone. There's got to be an element of faith. And that last chapter, chapter 9, 
That guy didn't even have, matter of fact, he had faith, but it wasn't enough to measure. (laughs) I believe, but I feel like there's more unbelief than belief there. You know the great thing about Jesus? He said over and over, if you just had faith as a grain of mustard seed, we could get something done. Matter of fact, we could say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea and obey you. You know what that tells me? That tells me we don't even have that much faith. How much faith does it take to get saved? Evidently not very much. Because most saved people I know don't even have that much faith. Because I haven't seen anybody casting mountains into the sea. What an illustration of the Lord Jesus Christ to let us know really how much faith we really have. You just need that much. Y'all know how big a mustard seed is, don't you? If I had, the, if I had a mustard seed up here, it wouldn't be a very good uh, illustration because you couldn't see it. Because it's so small, it wouldn't even make a difference. She said, I, I'm just praying you have that much. Oh, we can trust him. Trust him with our children, trust him with our lives, trust him with our finances, trust him with our health, trust him with our future. These children needed somebody to believe God. And if your children don't believe, why don't you believe for them? Now, they'll still have to believe. I I said that on purpose that way. Why don't you believe enough for them until they can see your faith, until they see Jesus and know they need to do that themselves? If our children have the faith that we have, I wonder how much they have. Desperate situations with children. If we only knew. If we only knew how desperate some of the children are that are in driving distance around this church. If we only knew. Not to mention around the world. And the truth is most of their parents don't give a flip. Because they don't even care enough to get in church with them. But somebody needs to get to Jesus for them. And somebody needs to be humble enough to get help. And somebody has to have faith in the Lord. In his word. And in his touch.